Hello, and welcome to The Unique CPA with your host, Randy Crabtree. We're committed to creating a thriving community of accounting professionals who are physically and mentally healthy, fulfilled, and energized by their work. Our ultimate goal is to elevate the reputation of the accounting profession and vastly improve the lives of those in it. The Unique CPA is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is... Mike Whitmire. Mike is a CEO of Flowcast. I'm sure many of you have heard of Flowcast. Mike and I are going to talk about a variety of things today. I'm looking forward to it because it seems like we have similar passions. But Mike, welcome to the Unique CPA. Uh, thank you for having me on, Randy. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was uh, you and I personally haven't met. But I have heard about you in the past. Uh, a good friend of mine, Blake Oliver, has said really good things about you. So uh, I'm excited to have this conversation. And I also heard that you are a very, uh, one of your passions is is burnout in the profession. So we'll probably touch on that a little bit too, because that's one of mine. But before we do that, I give you a very, very quick introduction. Why don't you give us a little more on yourself and specifically Flowcast too? Cool. Yeah, definitely. So uh, as you said, my name is Mike Whitmire. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Flowcast. I um, you know, speaking of burnout, uh, Flowcast was basically founded out of me getting burnt out in accounting. So I, I spent spent about four years uh, in audit. I was at EY here in Los Angeles, auditing entertainment companies, really kind of focused on like mid-market entertainment companies, a variety of them, a lot of fun. But as you would expect, I worked a ton of hours and got, you know, ground down. And after four years, decided I want to move over to industry. I was very focused on, I'd always want to go through an IPO process and didn't get that opportunity as an auditor. So when I was looking for my new position, I was really focused on trying to find a pre-IPO company. And in LA, that's not easy at the time, right? We're talking, we're we're back in the year 2008, 2009, coming off a of financial collapse and oh, yeah. not, not, a lot, not a lot of great stuff going on, but things were going well in software still. So I got super lucky. A recruiter ended up putting me in touch with uh, the CFO at a, a small startup here in LA at the time called Cornerstone On Demand. Um, there were about 90 people at the company when I joined. We were at, I want to say like 30 million of recurring revenue, but they were ready to go public and they had plans to go public in the next you know, 12 to 18 months. They had just taken on venture capital. I was the fifth person hired into the accounting department to help ramp that function up for an IPO. And when I got there, I mean, it was it was like, what a culture shock. You go from EY where hundred thousand people, everything's buttoned up. It's like, here's what you do. Here's your job, blah, blah, blah. To a startup where it's like, Hey, uh, we just hired all these people. We've never gone through an audit. We want to actually implement an ERP. Now we got to go through a closed process that we've never done before. And then we got to draft an S1, get a good SOX compliant, go international, grow the company really quickly and do all this stuff. And it was like, okay. And by the way, there's like no you know, onboarding, there's no documentation, there's nothing. So just go figure it out, which was a little daunting at first, but it ended up being the, the best thing that happened in my career. So I was at Cornerstone for three years, started as a, you know, senior accountant, just like one of the guys in the trenches getting stuff done. And I got to do a lot of, lot of fun, very project-based work over there. So learned a lot of really great things. Um, but one constant challenge we had in my whole time there was the month end close was just never smooth. It was you know, we established it when I got there and then in the middle of it, we establish it and then we just grow like crazy and have all the public company requirements that go along with it. And so we were never really able to get our clothes in order. And then I, f I find out that, you know, we're not the only company who suffers from from this challenge. 
Um, and finally, I had the epiphany of like, wait, this doesn't have to be normal. Let's, is there software to make the clothes better? And it was, it was almost like the industry had just accepted, yeah, the clothes sucks. It's a thing that just sucks every month and it's what we have to do. And I was like, no, there's got to be a better way for it. And the part of the reason I had the idea was I was, one of my jobs was on the revenue accounting side. And so I was in Salesforce all the time, looking at, looking for contracts, different facts, you know, what goes into revenue recognition around it. Did the sales reps promise anything that they should not have promised to people, things like that. And I realized Salesforce is a solution that is used by a team of individuals to help accomplish a collective goal, which is hitting a revenue target. The close is a team of individuals working towards a collective goal, which is a deadline driven goal, right? And since it's a deadline that is non-negotiable, that's why we have to work a ton of hours to get it done or not. You know, sales, if you're a rep, you're like, if we don't hit the company number, I don't care as long as I hit my number and get quota. Like, I'm good with that. I'll move on. But sales, it's like or in accounting, no question. We're all going to work more to get this stuff done. And so Salesforce was actually much of the inspiration for Flowcast. It's like, why oh, wow. do we not have our version of Salesforce? Our pain points are different, though. The pain points are really around the collaboration. Like I said, you have a bunch of individuals who are trying to work in concert to hit a set deadline that the controller has to manage all of this. And like, it's, it's literally like orchestrating this massive thing that the controller has to do. They're getting pressure from the CFO. When are the books going to be closed? I want them closed yesterday, blah, blah, blah. They have no visibility into where the heck they stand with the close. First and foremost, just don't know where it is. And that results in status update meetings, a lot of burn time across the whole team. Um, and then their work is really difficult to do because they're on the reviewer side. And I don't want to get too detailed, but like just finding documentation, getting all that stuff, reviewing it, leaving all that is a really manual, manual process, particularly as it relates to reconciliation. So reconciliations, huge part of the month end close process. That's that, you know, you get the peace of mind, your numbers are accurate. Um, so we help automate that tie out and reconciliation process in addition to helping with the people management side and organization of the close. So that was really the, the starting point for us is my pain point was around just simply the workflow, the checklist, collaboration, getting stuff done, and then the manual reconciliation process killed me. So that was the starting point for Flowcast. How do we solve all those problems? So I left Cornerstone in 2013 to start working on Flowcast. And here we are 10 years later, we have about 560 employees. Um, Wow. Yeah. Just crossed the 100 million ARR mark. That was a really big, big really huge milestone for us. So three, about 3,000 customers close on Flowcast, international now, office in London, Australia, all that good stuff. So been a, been a heck of a run, a lot of fun solving this problem. Four accounts is very personal pain point for a lot of people now. Oh, that's an amazing story. You had me mesmerized listening to that. <laughs> so, so the burnout that you're talking about was happening while you were at Cornerstone. It wasn't the EY burnout, or is it a combination of both? That, that was uh, both. Said, I had, yeah, no, I had it. I had it all. I mean, EY was EY was a lot of hours for sure, as many of the listeners probably know. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm going over into industry. This is going to be this is going to be better. <laughs> and I'll tell you a funny story. I was um, I was interviewing for the job, and I asked the HR guy at the end. I'm like, okay, you know, keep it real with me. How much do they work? Like, what are, what are the hours? What are the hours like? Because I wasn't about to ask the accounting department, what kind of hours do you work? And, you know, come on. So I asked the HR guy and he goes, oh, you know, I leave usually around six every day and their door is always closed. And I'm like, oh, man, six o'clock. That's like a dream come true. I can't wait to only work until six. That sounds great. <laughs> and I start. First week goes by. They're cool. I kind of leave at a normal time. And then the second week comes and I realize that that door is on a little timer mechanism where the magnet unlocks at 6 p.m. on the dot. So the door closes on its own 
all of accounting is still back there working, ordering dinner, getting ready for their second shift was my joke. And it's like, I did not. So I got a little, <laughs> I got a little bamboozled heading into that job and actually ended up working more hours at Cornerstone that I did worked you at. really? Oh my gosh. It was, it was exhausting, but everything was different. And it was such a good learning experience that I, I really feel like I crammed, you know, 10 years of learning into like a three-year time frame because of, because of that. So on the one hand, People complain about working a lot of hours. On the other hand, the more hours you work, if you're doing the right stuff, the more you learn and the better you get and the better it is for your career. So I don't know. Hours is a double-edged sword in many regards. Yep. What about now at Flowcast? What's your schedule like? So incredibly different. Like, um, you know, the the type of work is obviously very different. I don't spend my days in Excel anymore. I actually spend right. more time more time in PowerPoint than Excel, which is really a, a really weird feeling. And it's just all meetings. And then what I'll tell you is I remember as, as an accountant, you know, you kind of look up at the salaries and the comp packages at the C-level and you're like, what, really? It's that different? What I realize in the role now is what you're getting paid for is the uh, mental consumption of your entire life. You know, you're just, it's like every minute of my life, part of it is on Flowcast and it's not, it's, I'm not saying it's the best thing. It's not healthy. You know, I'm hanging out with my family. It's Christmas, whatever. And there's some little bit that's still thinking about stuff at Flowcast. And that is a big, in my opinion, that's worth a lot of money and people should be compensated if they're giving up like their mental faculties yep. 24-7, 365 to think about driving something uh, in a big way. So very different, very stressful in other ways. It's not about hitting a deadline. It's, we have 560 people that I need to make payroll for that supports 1,500 to 2,000 people outside of the whole thing. When you go, you know, there's like actually an economy being driven by our payroll and everything. And like, that's, right. that's pressure. Like I've never felt before in my, in my life. So very, yeah, equally, if not more stressful, just different, different forms of it. But you're enjoying it. Yeah. And you're certainly not going to get burnt out when you have, like I said, that many people relying on you. There's right. no, there's no, there's no time out. for burnout. It's, it's a different, yeah. It's a different, different level of motivation for sure. So let's talk a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to zig a little bit cuz I want to go back to EY days in general cuz I'm I'm really intrigued. I never was big for I, I always I started out in a small firm because I knew after four years my goal was to start my own firm and did that. So I, but in my mind the culture at Big 4 is just a strange you know, phenomenon to me. It's just, you know, work, work, work. We're going to work to death. And then if you survive, great. You know, in 20 years, you'll get a payout as a partner, or, you know, something like that. What's your memory? What do you, what's your opinion of how the culture at EY works? I'm guessing there's positives and, or we'll just say big four, not EY. There's, there's yeah. positives and negatives. I mean, I, with big four, I really think there's obviously the broader culture of busy season. You work a lot, you got to get a bunch of stuff done. Yeah. We're going to grind people. The reality is it's a, it's an upper out path and very few of you are going to make it up to the top. Many of you are going to go out along the way, but hopefully you learn stuff and you're get, get put in a good position for your career going forward. I think a big advantage they have is the simple requirement that you have to work an audit to get your CPA license. Huge advantage right there. That being yeah. required, who, Whoever penned that into law was a genius and, and they, that did a great job for them being able to recruit more people into the field. So they have you there, you know, in many regards. And if you're going to work in a CPA firm, get your hours to get your CPA, why not do it at, you know, the big, the big name company. Now, where I think it really varies is what type of jobs do you get put on and who are the team members that you work with? And there's, there are different cultures from job to job. And one of the cool parts of being at maybe a regional firm or call it a top 10 firm is you're more likely to be exposed to more clients 
more variety, more team members. Yep. Some of those are going to suck. Some of them are going to be great, but you at least get a little variety. I think that's a really cool aspect of being there. And that was one that I stumbled into at EY. So I had four different clients kind of in that mid-market. Granted, the downside is it was literally four different year ends. So I was like always busy season. Mm-hmm. I, the, the, moment, the moment I left EY was when the, util, the utilization report came out and I was number one in the LA office. I was like, this has to, this has to change. <laughs> like, that's, not a, that's not a championship you want to be winning. So, um, so that, that was that moment. All that said, you know, smaller clients, smaller companies. So I got to audit the entire balance sheet, the whole company. I understood the bigger picture with all four of those clients, different, slightly different industries, slightly different business models, different executives, different ways of thinking. And you just got to learn a whole lot more by doing that. So if I had to offer anyone advice for going into big four, I would say, try to stay off of one of the big clients. Like I had, I had friends who were on Disney and Disney is you get siloed, you are auditing one bank account yeah. all year and that's it. And that is not a good learning experience. That's nope. a recipe for burnout. So I think that variety is, is super, is super important for enjoying your time and getting the most out of it. That's how you learn the most. Yeah. That's what, that's what was my mindset when I decided that I was going to go actually accounting was my third career was a, a computer programmer. And then I went into sales because I thought that's where all the money was and sucked at it. <laughs> but then, I, but then I realized that uh, accounting was a profession that I really, it was always in the back of my mind, but that's why I went with the smaller firm because I wanted to know everything. We did audits, which I hated audit. I don't like audit at all. I'm a tax mm-hmm. guy, but yep. I also got to do tax. I also got to do, you know, whatever, whatever else, just the, you know, month end close for our smaller clients, all that stuff. And so I, think of that variety if you can do that ey or at the big four i guess that's great too i just was never had any desire to do that i feel like i was very lucky i got the best of both worlds and i also was assigned a boss that i to this day she was my favorite manager love working for her i worked a ton of hours but she was really great at leading by example she was always the first one at her desk and the last one to leave it's tough to get pissed off about hours when your senior manager is doing that. And then yep. she was just so there was something about her. I really appreciate it. So I, I think the right, the right job, the right manager, and it can be, it can be a really good experience, even if you're working that many hours. Like I, I look back on it very fondly these days. That's good. That's good. Yeah. My, if, if we're going to talk about uh, your, your managers, I had a, my second job in public accounting was probably the worst I've ever seen from a manager standpoint. And, and, you know, I'm not going to, I won't go into the story now, but it was, got to, to a point where I didn't stay. I At one point in, the, in time, I just organized my office and walked out and never went back. Um, and uh, But what it did for me is it, it helped me realize that corporate culture is such an important thing, that having people feel like they're an important part of what you're doing, that they're valued, that they can be themselves in the office, not just when they leave the, and the door closes behind them. When you looked at Flowcast, when you started Flowcast, you know you seem very passionate about a lot of things. I assume creating a culture that people enjoyed being part of was was something that you thought about. Oh no, it was it was huge. I mean, I was um, I am your very classic pain in the ass millennial person to manage. Like I can I can recognize that. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure my bosses, it was annoying to manage me, but like I was pretty smart and good at my work. So it was one of those, you just like deal with that because the work gets done. Um, but I, what I realized is, you know, my, my first boss, Mika, we had such a good relationship that when I actually went to leave EY, I went to her and said, Hey, I'm, I am burned out. I'm going to go look for a new position. I want to give you a heads up because I don't want you to just be left high and dry. And 
that was actually really good for her, right? Because she had some re- runway to find a new person, plug it in and all this kind of stuff. Conversely, if I really disliked her in the way it seems like you dislike your manager <laughs> yeah. and I just yeah. walked out one day, they're in a tough spot to recoup from that. So I would say like managers, yeah, you would very much benefit from having great relationships with your your reports simply because when they do leave, which in audit, they are going to leave. Odds are they're going to leave at some point. Right. At least that's a little more collaborative and you have some more heads up and it's easier to plan. Um but yeah, that, that's kind of my, my take on that. And when I, when I moved into creating the culture of Flowcast, it was really like, I like to look at the past places I've worked at and other things and what have they done wrong and let's not do yes. those things. And it's pretty simple. Just create an environment that I would want to work in. Um, one of the unique things about Flowcast as, a, as opposed to many tech companies is, you know, it's accounting. That's not exciting for everybody. And it's, it's tough to get, it can be tough to get people fired up around like a mission of accounting related if they haven't been in accounting. So one of the things I actually did was hired a ton of former accountants. So they were just inherently excited about what we're doing. So number one, they get out of accounting, they get to try a new job and they move over into a world where they're using their knowledge and skills and helping other people rather than bothering them through an audit process. Right. So it's, it's a great shift because it's like, Oh, I'm not going to disappoint my parents. I didn't major in accounting for no reason. I'm not throwing away my whole, you know, tuition to do this, but I get to try something new, whether it's sales or customer support or product, whatever we hire accounts everywhere. And so it's a really unique opportunity and there's really not much culture building that has to occur when you have someone who's just inherently, you know, bought in and excited about it. Then on the other side, it's about, I, I very much value transparency and the moments I felt the most connected to Cornerstone, this never happened to EY because there's zero transparency about what's going on corporate Y. You know, they're too big yep. to be doing that. I, t- I yep. totally get that. But at Cornerstone, I always got so excited when the CEO would tell us about what was going on behind the scenes or with the market or what investors were saying or what was going to happen and and talking about the competition and just like getting just on feeling like part of the business was was the most motivating thing for me. So when you're hiring people early on, it's a lot of people who care about a startup and business and want to know what's going on. So I was always hyper transparent just about what we're doing, what our goals are, where our financials were, getting everyone rallied around various things. And so I think that combination of like the hiring profile of people who inherently like accounting, yep. plus knowing the type of people we're hiring at the early stage and they want to be part of business, they like yep. transparency, all that. My like hyper transparency, I think was really big for building a great, a great culture. And you know, we've scaled that. It is a little trickier to scale at 500 people and when it's remote and everything, but we're still a hyper transparent organization. We've hired a lot of accountants. And so that kind of comes together like really well to drive. And then we do all the stuff, stock kitchen, great benefits, pay people well, treat them well, like all the, all the table stakes stuff. Yep. But I, yep. I would say the, the unique parts are, are those. Yeah, no, I agree with you with the, the transparency. We've always tried to do that with our firm as well, with Trimerit. This is the, the firm I met. I uh, started yeah. 16 years ago. And, and how, how many employees do you have? We're at 70 employees. And yeah. And so from that standpoint, you know, we have, we're remote, but twice a year we get together in person, you know, okay. one location, we all do this. Um, and we have people in similar locations. We have a lot in Houston. They'll get together and have events where they just get together and have a good time. We have a lot in Chicago. We have a lot in Michigan. And so, so they'll get around. But, and I haven't been involved in this part of stuff because I just decided I'm going to just go out and talk. That's my new, that's my only role now. Uh, I, I live in PowerPoint like you do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, talking the, in PowerPoint, right? Yes, exactly. Um, but we actually, it was funny you said that in about two hours from now, we have our first quarterly 
uh, a transparency meeting uh, for the company where we're just going to every quarter now just to put everything out there for everybody to see. And uh, it's part of e- the EOS stuff that we've been implementing uh, yeah. as well. So that's cool. I've, I've, and I've found that that helps, that helps with alignment so much when you're literally like we have, we have our all hands meeting coming up in the next couple of weeks. And we, d- we do that monthly. And the first all hands meeting after a board meeting I actually run through the board deck with the whole company. It's like, hey, here's what we talked at the board about. Here's what I need all of you to do. And here's what we're not doing anymore. Here's what the board said and all this stuff. And it's like hard to be much more aligned than that. When it's like, here's what I'm saying in the boardroom. But please, everyone make us look good and go execute on this stuff, right. basically. And then it's right. like, yeah, you just feel part of it, you know, because yeah, you are part no. of it <laughs> and you know what the hell's no. going on. Right. And I assume, and, 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 and I don't know, I just keep comparing you and us because it seems like we're doing st- a lot of stuff similar, but yeah. we don't lose people because of things like that, because of transparent. We don't have a problem attracting people either. And, uh, you know, I'm guessing that 550 people or whatever, you, you know, there's a little more loss occasionally here and there, but uh, we have shockingly low turnover. I, I've I had think, a feeling. I think yeah. that's, yeah, it's, it's really low. And the, the times we lose people are when, you know, we're, we're known as a great organization. Other companies poach from Flowcast now. And there's t- sometimes where it's literally, they might double someone's comp package because of, yeah. because of that. And right. there's certain times you just can't, you just can't fight with that. But very few people are like, I hate it here. I'm leaving. You guys right. are the worst. There's, there's none of, there's none of that going on. Yep. Well, that's awesome. Um, so we touched on culture. We touched on burnout. We touched on, I, I want to dig a little bit deeper just into Flowcast because you said what you do, but you have a lot of different products right i mean are they all based around you know month end year end close or what is the variety of things you're doing yeah tricky tricky part of uh building a software company is you're always adding more stuff and your your story changes over time so what what i mentioned is really what we started with which was the close reconciliation um and a big part of that was also staging yourself for a successful audit you know if you're if you're going through the if you're using flowcast properly you're signing off on everything your recs are getting saved down it's tied back to your erp automatically all, all that if all that's working well you're just organically going to be staged for a successful audit um so that's always been something that's been top of mind for us but one of the things that ended up happening was we put out the core application and right before COVID hit we were sitting down with zoom who's one of our clients um and zoom was using was hacking flowcast and they were tracking things outside of the close process and, and doing it in a manner, I don't want to get into the details, but it was do, they were doing it in a manner that completely messed up the dashboarding, the visibility, a lot of the analytics, like a lot of that productivity stuff that came after the fact, it was messing it up. And it was things like SEC filings, SOX compliance, like, you know, payroll, AP, commissions. And we're, we go, we're, we go you know, this is like kind of tangentially related to the close, but you have applications that do this. You know, you're using Workiva for this. You have Audit Board for this. And so why why the heck is this living inside of Flowcast? And the controller was, he goes, look, I'm responsible for all of this stuff. And I don't want to log into five different applications to understand where I am with it. So I'm happy to have my SEC team log into Flowcast, keep track of their work in here. And that gives me better visibility and better insight so that when the CFO comes out and says, when are the books going to be closed? When's payroll going to be processed? When are commission statements going to be out? When's SEC reporting going to be done? When's the audit going to be done? Like I can just go into Flowcast and get that answer. And we were like, oh crap, that makes a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. Good. You're like very well done on your part. Um, so this is where we really start to feel like idiots. We start to investigate how our clients are using Flowcast. It turns out like 20% of them are using us for non-close workflows. We're really? hacking it together. So like our clients were figuring this out on their own. And 
that makes it the easiest product decision in the world, right? So all we did was we said, hey, let's productize that use case. And we built a more generic thing called Flowcast Ops. It allows you to track any operational workflow that occurs on any sort of regular cadence or ad hoc projects at this point. And it's really separated the application to give controllers better visibility and analytics and performance metrics around those different areas individually. Uh, that's a product we offered for free to drive better adoption of Flowcast, have it be used you know, more pervasively across the organization and then get some more users and licenses on from there. Then what we do is we monitor those ops workflows. That's what's being used the most and that helps inform our product decision from there. Uh, the next one we launched was our, and this just came out a couple months ago, we did the formal announce for this product, but it's our compliance solution. And compliance makes a lot of sense for us because uh, number one, it was an incredibly used workflow within that ops product. And the reason it's used is because compliance is so closely related to the business process workflow that's occurring underneath it. And we're able to offer a really unique value prop. So the way the compliance solution works, and this goes to like to the right to the audit days and Sarbanes-Oxley is the most clear example of like a compliance example here. So you can get your risk and control matrix set up inside of Flowcast, you address your risks, you get all that implemented, you set your controls in place. Your controls can then be tested through Flowcast within that compliance module. So the auditors, both internal and external can log in, look at the controls. And then the unique value prop that we have, which I love is, the source for that control work, the evidence of that being completed already lives in other parts of Flowcast. So what you're able to do is link those controls back to where that source work is already occurring. And what that means is if I'm an auditor and I go in and I wanna select a certain control sample testing, I don't have to go to the accounting department and ask them to give me any information. Every month I wanna test is right there. I can select my three or four months, whatever it is, all the documentation lives there. It's in one place. I can sign off really quickly. And that that eliminates the PBC process, right? Like everyone hates the P. I haven't met a person who loves the PBC process. We can eliminate a material percentage of that from that back and forth and really take credit for, this is what I think is like the accounting team should get credit for the work they're doing every month, automatically filling in the controls, internal audit, CAO, CFO, they all have that peace of mind that they are compliant in real time. It's not a deal where it's like, What's going on underneath the scenes? I don't know. And then the auditors are going to come out and they're going to be like, hey, you have a material weakness here. That's not that's not how it's going to work with Flowcast. So I'm I'm really excited about the compliance because it's back to like a very personal pain point of nice. mine. I did I did the SOX implementation at Cornerstone. I established the risk and control matrix. And the hardest part of that whole thing was getting people to operate in that environment. And by having Flowcast plus the compliance solution, there's like no doubt around how people operate now. You just change the behavior. And that to me is like between the PBC process and the behavior change thing, so much friction is taken out of the equation. And I'm like, nice. as you can tell, very excited about it. And yes. it is, it's selling very well. The value prop is, is connecting for sure. And so this, this is like, we're very excited about this, this product. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. A lot of times, a lot of things when I'm out talking about burnout in the profession, you know, I, I'm talking about automation and, and how this can be so helpful for you and how this can you know make you more efficient and so that that's cool that you got these things the thing that i find though and maybe you find this too i'm going to go on a tangent here is that sometimes people have such a negative connotation of the what they think is a pain of implementation when in reality it's not because for some reason, our brains are more concerned about not having to deal with this extra work of implementing something today, even though tomorrow it's going to save you so much time. Yeah. Is that something you have to deal with or try to overcome when you're getting that? No, it's, it's, that is a very fair concern also. And I, and 
part of it is because unfortunately within finance and accounting there they are more difficult to use solutions there hasn't been much of a focus on user experience and ease of use and ease of implementation it's just like it is what it is you know for example, NetSuite came out of Oracle, really. That was kind of the starting bed. Is NetSuite was a bunch of former Oracle people, and they started with this vision of simplicity, and then it blew up into a big application that can take, you know, our implementation was like nine to 12 months. So this was a big focus of, of mine in founding Flowcast. Right. How, how do we make the implementation as easy as humanly possible? And nice. what we realized was there are two main problems with implementations with accounting. Uh, number one is if you don't, if, if the software vendor does not take responsibility for the implementation, if they put it on the customer and potentially on a partner, there's just not as much ownership around that and it's not going to get done. And second is anytime IT is involved with something, it slows down. It's just another party that has to get involved and it's somebody, they have all these questions and they don't understand how accounting works. And so it just slows everything down. And we started the company selling to the mid-market space. Like we really built Flowcast to sell to the type of company I came out of. Mm -hmm. And my experience was IT, IT is swamped with work. Accounting is never going to get prioritized. Sales is always going to get prioritized with anything. And then IT is going to prioritize their own stuff. Accounting is always on the back burner. So we just had to figure stuff out on our own. And that's fine as long as IT doesn't have to be involved. And so everything that we built, it was like, okay, how do we... How do we build this such that IT does not have to be involved in the implementation equation at all? And, and one of the, we figured it out. And one of the great lines I love deploying is like, when I'm on a sales cycle, well, IT will get involved. And it, you know, I'm not in these all this much, but early on it was like, hey, IT, really nice to meet you. Uh, I, have, I have great news for you. Number one, we're all buttoned up. Here's our compliance reports. Here's everything. All I need for you to do is sign and approve this. And then we're not going to talk again because I don't need your help for the implementation. Like you guys will get credit for the best software implementation nice. here and you don't have to do anything for it. And they love that pitch. Like obviously they love that yes. pitch. And then it's also administered by the accounting department themselves afterwards. And it's really easy to administer. So literally IT is just out of the equation and that makes every So we come in with a 30 day implementation, not, not a nine month implementation. And it's right. like, we're no disruption to your close. Cause it, while it's 30 days, it's four hours of time on the controller and then an hour training for the team. Like we take on all the work that occurs in that time frame, right. And so, yeah, big, big, huge focus of ours. I, I could not, I, I could not agree more. So they don't have to worry about that short in for them. It's even really short with you. Cause you're taking control of everything short term. Yeah. implementation. And the only reason it takes 30 days is because it's like, we're going to do this and then have this call to approve this. Then we're going to have the training call. Then right. we're going to have the, the, then we're going to have the optimization call afterwards. So that's why we like to break it down to like, look, I know it's 30 days, but that's not 30 days you know, times eight hours a day, 240 hours. It's four hours. That's all, that's all we're looking for. So we got to we gotta break it down. Well, that's awesome. That, this was a great conversation. That was great information. I love hearing about what you're doing because anything that helps our profession, I'm all for. But so, but before we wrap this up, uh, there's two, two final questions I have for you. Any, any, you can, if you want to do a wrap on anything we just talked about, I'll let you do that right now or I'll ask you two final right. questions. Well, uh, are we going to talk about AI? Are you sick of it? <laughs> I know I'm supposed to talk AI on every podcast right now. Um, you can. Do you want to talk about well, AI? Yeah, I want to give an interesting take. So we've yeah, been let's doing do a lot it. of uh, we've been doing a lot of research on this, and I I am firmly believing that AI is going to be a great augmentation tool for accountants yep. going forward. Yep. This is. I don't think this is something that's going to cause mass employment within accounting. I think it's something that's needed. It's very necessary. We yep. have the talent crunch already, fewer people are majoring in it. And one thing I know 
about capitalism is capitalism marches on. There will be more jobs. We will need more accounts. Oh, yeah. And so I don't see that. I don't see that falling off. And so I think everyone should be really excited about AI. Um, the, the key is like everyone's got to learn how to do it and use it in different fashions. And it's been really interesting us working with it and experimenting with it on the back end. We're realizing that today what it's really great at is doing things where there isn't a right answer. <laughs> which is a fascinating, like a fascinating thing. And so it's going to be a little while before the technology is there with accountants where yep. it's like all accurate enough to really start to trust it. There's going to be a long period of us working with AI, being the ones who are the reviewers of AI's work. And it's basically going to be a staff for you. Right. And that'll be a really cool spot to be in. And so I just want to give, I, I like kind of more like the silver lining message around this, not the like, I like you know, Mark Cuban being like, I'd never want to be an accounting major right now. I'd rather major in philosophy. When the reality is chat GPT is better at philosophy than accounting. It's, it's like, that is the reality today. <laughs> No, that makes sense. And I like that take on it. I've talked to a lot of people lately and, and it's more, hey, it's just, it's going to be, you're not going to have to know AI. It's going to be there. It's going to be implemented. Flowcast is going to put it out there for you. Other people are going to be using it in the applications you're using. And, and you don't, I think people get this fear of, I'm going to have to be an expert on AI. I mean, I really don't think you're going to have to do that. Our job is to make it easy for the customers to use. Right. Totally. Like if, if that's the future, then us as software vendors, we've, we've failed in our, in our job. Yep. No, that's what I figured. All right. Now I'll ask, the, unless you want something else, then I'll ask <laughs> that's the it. last that's two questions. That's nice. All right. Here's the final two questions. Uh, and I didn't warn you ahead of time, but uh, everybody gets asked this because, hey, we're talking business. We're talking what you're doing. We're talking the things that we, uh, we uh, do at work. But more importantly, what are your passions outside of work? What do you enjoy doing when you're not doing flowcast things? All right, good. Yeah, I hope I hope you don't ask me like what time I wake up and what books I read. Those are the the worst because they're really uninspiring answers. But no, outside of work, I have a, a variety of hobbies, kind of your classic like midlife crisis and uh, and standard dude hobbies. I, I I love golfing. I'm a big golfer. That's uh, one, right. of my, one of my favorite things. And like aspiring to get my handicap as low as possible. So unfortunately, right now it's going in the wrong direction. But I'm I'm working on it. I feel. I'm, I feel like I'm turning a corner. Things are going well. Um, I also, I love woodworking on the side. That's one of my favorite nice. hobbies is like f fine woodworking. I like making gifts for people and it's a fun, um, it's a really fun release for me because it's really creative, but it's also manual and physical and really rewarding to be able to like create gifts for people and do, right. do things like that. Um, and there's no, there are no directions in, in the wood shop. You get to do, you know, you're making things, you're being creative and you're figuring stuff out. So that's a lot of fun for me, play softball with my buddies on the weekends. Those are my, uh, you know, get to hang out with my friends and stuff. And then of course, uh, family love spending time with my, my wife and my daughter. Um, my daughter's six now, and it's just been, it's been awesome, uh, seeing her, uh, grow up and love being able to spend a lot of time with them. And that's been, that's been a great part of the remote work environment and everything is just, you know, even if you have a busy day, you get to see them a little bit and, right. uh, and spend time with them. So, and then as you can tell by my Dodger hat, it's yes. on audio, so no one else can see it, but I am a huge baseball nut, uh, like collect baseball cards, big Dodger fan in my whole life. It's uh, I know, I know far too much about the Dodgers organization and that's like one of my, my biggest passions and like <laughs> all right well yeah when when you first came on camera i thought oh another chase berkey i don't know if you know chase but he's always got the baseball hat on too his, oh, okay <laughs> his, his is just branded with his company name dark horse but you never see him without the hat on so oh interesting yep well yep. uh nope I, I got my dodger hat it's my it's my look it's uh, i've been doing it yeah my whole life literally <laughs> nice you're branded you're branded dodger fan there you go it is uh and then last thing if anybody wants to find out any more about what you're doing and full cast uh what's a where's a good place for them to look uh so i'm i'm 
not, I wouldn't say active on LinkedIn. I don't do a bunch of those posts around my life and all that kind of stuff, but, uh, but connect with me on LinkedIn. If you want to chat about anything, happy to, uh, happy to message and all that kind of stuff. Emails, Mike at flowcast.com. Happy to do that as well. Or if you want to learn about flowcast, best place is just the website, go to, you know, flowcast.com. Uh, we have a great team of sales reps. If you want to learn more about the application, all bunch of former accountants, you'll like talking to your people and see if we can, uh, see if we can help out. We're genuinely there to see if we can, uh, if we can help make your clothes and broader accounting operations better today. Awesome. Well, Mike, it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, uh, for us not uh, meeting each other till uh, 30 minutes ago, I think we did okay today. So. Yeah, there you go. Good stuff, Randy. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for joining us today on The Unique CPA. You can find the show notes for today's episode and learn more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting app. And join us next time for more expertise and insights on The Unique CPA. Professionalproductions.net